and th- this is like really the, the the most important thing about coaching and about coaches and about you and about humans is it's not about you it just isn't it's actually nothing to do with you you know which comes back to the principles we're here we're the radio set we're playing the music episode 37 of the coaching life podcast where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life today's guest is someone i've seen around the three principles community for quite some time a good few years in fact and his book do nothing was actually one of the first principles based books i read quite a few years ago and his resume is quite extensive. Numerous talks, including a TEDx um, and speaking at alternatives in London, sharing the stage with some big names, um, including somebody I'm a fan of, the Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Um, he's the author of five books. He's presented at hundreds of events and conferences, as well as appearing on the BBC. And all of that against a backdrop of a previously very successful career in marketing, whilst perhaps being laced with a diagnosis of OCD, depression, stress, anxiety, and yeah, feeling suicidal. So I'm curious, what's his coaching life really like? And what's his journey been like behind the scenes? So let's find out. Big warm welcome. Hello to Damien Mark Smith. Hello. Hi Phil, how are you doing? Very well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. So let's start where I always like to start. Um, what got you into the profession of coaching? So uh, after I had my breakdown um, and then came across the principles, um, I I think having come across something which 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 helped me not commit suicide mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you kind of like feel like well that's kind of good thing to share and uh you know you get all in your head thinking about well how can i share that you know how can i how can i possibly share with anyone and um it was actually i was in a, I was in a, a networking event with a lady that i held in very high regard and um i was just speaking with her just talking with her about some of the stuff that she was going through and and helped i just pointed out a couple of things which seemed obvious to me and less obvious to her and uh, she said oh have you thought about coaching and i said no uh why and she said well what you've just told me is really really helpful and, and i said oh, i was just stating the obvious <laughs> <laughs> and she said oh well, you'd be a really good coach and i just kind of i went home and i thought about it and i thought well i'm actually quite good at stating the obvious <laughs> I can do that. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Um, sometimes, to my detriment, it should be added. <laughs> and uh, and so I just kind of set up. And um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You know, the amount of people I speak to probably think, uh, as as I do. You know, when you look at other coaches and you kind of like see, it looks like they've got a smooth ride, and it's anything mm. but. Yeah, absolutely. It's anything. Um, and it's uh, no one actually really knows 
what's really going on. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, which is one thing I'm, you know, hoping this this podcast does is, you know, to provide people with a a look behind the scenes. So <laughs> classic question, I guess, really. What 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 happened next? You know, you 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 meet this person, they make this suggestion. I'm guessing you didn't then overnight become a successful coach. So, um were you, I guess, in your marketing job at this time? What was going on? What, 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 what did life as Damon look like at that time? No. So I'd kind of jumped out of the frying pan into the fire because uh, I was going through a divorce as well at the time. And um, so I ended up in a business development role. And this is with OCD, anger issues, depression, suicide. You know, I was going through OCD, hypnotherapy. I already had the psychotherapy, which didn't work. Um, and I was on medication as well. Um, and then came across the principles. And of course, they, that, that kind of put the two and two together. So it was like, oh, not only have I got, you know, that I'm quite good at being quite straightforward, but I've also got this thing that's actually really useful. Um, and then I've also got this marketing background, which is also quite helpful as well. So it was just kind of all the things in the melting pot. And being me, you know, this is typical of me. I don't bother going from A to B. I just go from A to Z. It's like, uh, why waste your time going to A to B to C? Just go to so I set up a company called 3P Training and, and tried to go into corporate straight straight away because I just thought I'll just go for the big guys. And, uh, you know, sort of didn't realize that there was like a two-year cycle to, to get into pretty much most companies unless you know the people high up and you happen to be their buddy. Um, and even then, because that was my first gig, even then I went in there and I completely cocked it up. I mean, it was just rubbish. I mean, it was total and utter Try. So in what what way? Could, um, could you share? Give us some example. Make that a bit more real for us. Oh yeah, I just you know was just like puking all over them and just kind of like trying to get them to get the principles. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just why don't you understand this? Right. Like, I understand. Why don't you understand? And just utter bilge. I mean, complete and utter rubbish. And um, and then obviously got the letdown from that, which is oh I can't do this. Oh, I'm useless. Oh, I'm rubbish. And uh, then kind of started again properly <laughs> and then started with one client and worked pretty well with, with her and then, then went on to two and then, you know, three and then four and, and kind of build it up that way. And to be honest, if I had actually stuck to doing one-to-one -one work, um, I probably would have been okay. But my, my problem, I guess you could say my mental health issue is that I always just, I, I'm lazy. You know, I, I can't be bothered to do the one-to-one -one stuff. It's like, oh, really? I can't let, I'll just do the one-to-many. You know, it's so much easier. I'll write a book, get it out there for loads of people. You know, rather than just do, you know, a blog, I'll write a book and get it out onto the world stage. And that pissed a load of people off. Because it was like, oh, this, this new guy's come along and he's like written a book. No one in the UK had written a book of principles. And then he comes along and writes one. And, you know, how dare he? And I actually had that back from some people who said that. Um, but the ones who are grounded, who get it basically people like dickon and jack you know responded and saying oh this is a good start can we help can we help you make it better um and did and so um yeah that was kind of a bit of leverage that i mean even today i get i get work from from that book you know people still contact me and say that was the book first book i read or that was nice starting me off on this journey and um so that that was kind of useful but yeah i think it's a if you know so one bit of advice i would say if you are a, if you are a coach and, and you don't want to struggle is to um find a system that works for you really well 
and then just stick with that for an extended period of time until that becomes your mainstay and then you can start expanding out into other areas what i was doing because i because i had this idea about marketing so it's like well of course i can you know go and work with corporates and of course i could do that again and of course i can go and change the world and of course i can do xyz um and as a result what's really interesting actually is when i speak to people now and they you know so occasionally i'll speak to someone who's like known me but hasn't necessarily been in touch and i'll be like you know what do you think i do and they say well you do quite a lot don't you it's like you do all these different things and that's because i get bored very very easily right. i get really bored with doing one thing and i'll just go and do something else instead and it doesn't help a brand i mean it really doesn't mm. <laughs> it's like you know it's like brand suicide is to go and like be lots of different things <laughs> um and ironically i'm working a lot in suicide at the moment which is you know it's uh but um yeah so if yeah, a bit of advice would be to and and what i do is when i help people i'm actually helping someone start up as a coach at the moment three principles coach and i just said look what do you really enjoy doing what do you love doing you know what is the thing that you if you had to do it for every day for the rest of your life this is with the coaching so it's not just the coaching because co coaching there's different types of coaching to be honest the coaches i've had right have been rubbish right there's been like I, I wish i had me as a coach i really because basically what i need is someone to kick my ass right and that's what mm. i do it's like you know sometimes nicely sometimes not so nicely but i'd really like that for someone to just go well why don't you do that because that's stupid that you're not doing that and instead i get these people being really like nice and stating the obvious <laughs> um, which i know it's like i want something i don't know you know you want a coach to come along and tell you something you don't know mm. or point something out that you can't see um, and then get you to do it like that's my kind of style of coaching so but you know i said to this lady i said you know just just pick something that you really enjoy doing and then make that the kind of the fulcrum of your coaching because if you can work with those people doing something you enjoy doing then that's going to keep you occupied and keep you entertained you know if you if you love i don't know if you love music if you love music do something around music if you love um you know physical health do something around physical health if you if you like working with young people do it around young people it's yeah. like whatever it is you pick that thing and you stick to it now you can change the way you do it but you want to you know pick that kind of core niche whatever and kind of stick with that and that's really been my problem because i've gone from like big business to uh, entrepreneurs which has been really good fun um to um you know to veterinary surgeons which is what i'm working with at the moment um, and to be honest it's all the same stuff it's just how you then brand it. I was kind of wondering that, you know, because if you're looking to take the um, help people to gain an understanding about life, to gain an understanding of the principles, I wonder what kind of the difference is. Because certainly, you know, I've done some group stuff within within organisations and one on one. Yeah, that feels different. There's a level of intimacy, perhaps that's different, but we still end up talking about pretty much the same stuff. So I'm wondering for you, what when you say is it the same? Is there any real difference? And that's that. What's the kind of the purpose, perhaps, of, of choosing a particular area? Is that really for you as a coach? Yeah, it's it's for you as a coach. It just makes it a lot easier for you to then stick to it. So you know, I found, for instance, that if you go into corporate, right? I mean, this is this is the irony, I and mean, you just said it perfectly. So like we're all human. There is actually no difference in teaching the principles, sharing the principles, pointing to the principles, however you want to call it, between working with someone who's, you know, homeless and, and an alcoholic mm. and someone who's running a major corporate. Right? And, and in some cases, you know, that person who's homeless was doing that. 
and and there's many many reasons why they ended up there yeah so there are there is no difference but the difference is in terms of like getting to those people is very different you know if you're in corporate you've got to be talking bollocks basically you've got to be talking bollocks so you can get into having a conversation <laughs> with them which is ridiculous but it's true you've got to come up with all these like you know words that get you to have the conversation or you've got to be recommended um or you've got to be really disruptive that's the other way to do it you know which which is kind of work for me sometimes so you just get really disruptive and you get invited to places you wouldn't necessarily go otherwise um and but you know you've got to think about your business model as well because if you're working with homeless people you know your business model ain't them they ain't paying you right and you know you can't be paid in kind so you've got a different kind of business model so you go down like the, the grant uh, route or the corporate social responsibility route or, or you know whatever but um or, or charitable status so you've got to think about you know a sustainable business model and of course the other thing is that you've got to be really careful of is you've got to understand your numbers you know they, they often say that if you want to go into coaching you need six months money in the bank to to, to, to kind of do it um, I would say that's probably about right. You probably don't need it if you if you get really focused on on a niche because and it's something you enjoy doing because it's so much easier then to just go out there and speak to the people that you're around anyway um, and speak in a language you've already got um, and create stuff. I'm all about creating stuff that that touches those people in a certain way that they come to you. And it's so much easier to do that if you a enjoy it and b you've got some sort of experience in it. You know, if I was, if I wanted to, which wouldn't surprise me if I did one day pick, you know, to go into, I'm going to teach the principles to mechanical engineers because I woke up this morning and it seemed to be the best thing on my mind. You know, it's the kind of thing that happens in my head. Um, you know, but I, it would be like it would take six months to even get the language right before I even did that. Hmm. Um, so you, it helps if you kind of start somewhere which is relevant. And I always say everything in the universe is recycled. Yeah, there's always a reason why stuff happens. You know, you went, you did that course at the age of 16, and at the age of 38, it comes back and it's useful. It's like these, and we, every, everyone does a dress rehearsal, usually with marriage. Um, you know, we always have like one go at it first before they get it right. Um, so, and it's the same with, with with coaching. But what I would su- suggest is if you could find a way of coaching that feels right to you, not to someone else. So it's very easy to read books and just go, oh, yeah, I'll be like the Prosperous Coach or I'll be like you know, Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin or I'll be like Jamie Smart or I'll be like Garrett Kramer or whatever. Be yourself. You know, mm. be yourself. Just be you. Um, and if that's a belligerent twat like me, then then do it because, you know, the people that I actually enjoy working with are the ones that actually enjoy being told off. <laughs> <laughs> So I wonder, um, <laughs> I love that. So I wonder, uh, you said, you know, it, you gave an indication that, I don't know, whether things might have been better or easier or more stable, perhaps, if you'd have stuck to one thing. So getting the impression you didn't do that, what what was the upshot or indeed downshot, really, of, of that? So, well, the, well, just learning the hard way, really, um, and and continually kind of like flitting around um until kind of finding something that, that that i kind of enjoyed doing well it was actually quite i mean uh, to this is part of the part of the story which you know changed it a bit for me was when i was speaking with jack pransky in spain once and he said before sid died um he said the principles was going to take off like the tipping point for the principles would be in uk in business and you know pr- previously my my experience of going to business was my first you know kind of training which was really rubbish and I just thought, ooh, business. Uh. 
and I was happy working with one-to-one clients at that point. You know, I was having really good success rate with one-to-one clients, and, and variety, you know, no no real niche niche, uh, niche actually. It was I was just working one-to-one with people, and I was getting recommended, and people were coming from the book, and it was ticking along nicely. And then I heard that, and I thought, because this is typical me, it's like, oh, UK business, I'll have a go at that. You know, I wouldn't mind that. And then of course I, rem- I remembered my previous experience and just thought, well, it was obviously a learning point. You know, it's there for a reason. So I kind of took what I did wrong and tried to make it right and ended up working with, with the entrepreneur circle, uh, with entrepreneurs. And I worked there for four years um, and then introduced the principal slowly into a, a much larger organization. They had a couple of thousand members um, and was really getting traction with that. And um, and then that organization really struggled when they actually had a financial manager who left with a £1.5 million hole in the accounts. Um, it couldn't actually afford to keep me keep me going at that point, so I then went out freelance um, and kind of continued on the business uh, with 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 businesses, and I've kind of been pushing in that direction ever since. All until what's recently happened with the with the suicide and the veterinary health uh, stuff, which is happening at the moment. So, um, but but to be honest, that again was part of the training, I think, because one of the things that I had to do to get effectiveness with the entrepreneurs because you know there's this whole thing about you've got to have an overnight you've got to have like this intake you've got to know who's in the room you've got to meet them where they are all this sort of stuff i didn't have that i didn't have that option i was talking to people i'd never met before one occasion 110 people in a room for a day right you try doing deep listening and you know that many people impossible um and on some occasions just a 90 minute talk was all i got you know, going around the country doing a 90 minute talk on the principles so i honed a presentation which to me kind of got it across in a in as best way i could without puking on people without basically going blah, 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 blah. and i got the chance to kind of improve it as i went around the country doing this tour um and and the talk was actually called um uh the one and only thing that is wrong with your business and how to solve it. So of course it was really yeah. attractive. People were coming along going, I wonder yeah. what that is. And of course it was it was thought. So um and and I used to say at the beginning of that talk, it's like at the end of ninety minutes, where right, every single one of you in this room is gonna look at me as if I've just told a joke to an aardvark. And at the end of the ninety minutes everyone would be like Because <laughs> it was, it was like a real kind of like but I got it to a point where it wasn't painful and people were like, there wasn't ooze dripping out of people's brains. Um, and, it, and it affected a number of people. There's quite a few people that came to that. You see, now I see them just like, that talk you did, like, mind-blowing. Um, so I, I, I kind of honed a bit of a skill there. And then I, I still do a two-day course at the Entrepreneur Circle called The World to Act, which is basically a two-day three principles course. Um, and I did one when I came back from Cape Verde in, in January. Um, and it was all about deep listening. It was all about like, going deeper into the principles. And, and it really, really worked. It was really effective. And that's actually the course that we're taking out to the vets. It's the same thing. It's the, it's the same stuff that I've done in business. For the business, I'll do the two-day World to Act course, basically. It doesn't matter whether it's sales, resilience, you know, whatever it is, change management, um, it's still the same course. And, it, and it's based on that kind of the the water added to that 90 minute presentation and kind of expanded out and spending more time going through stuff and connecting with people. Um, so it's again, 
again, it's, it's kind of all there for a reason. Um, but of course, meantime, you know, since we've been setting up this veterinary health uh, stuff, I've done hardly any one-to-one work, and you know, I'm I'm on the verge of going under at the moment. It's like I've got these like loads of contracts for like yeah. two months' time, and I'm sitting here thinking, Christ, I afford to play Netflix at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> which is the irony of, of not being very good. With yeah, and I guess you know that that can come from still remote. Yeah, the the flittering around i can see that and i know where i've done it certainly i've done a bit of that personally i've there's been times when yeah i've had the feast and uh then sat back took my foot off the gas stopped sowing any seeds mm-hmm. and uh then you know eventually the famine of course comes and, and i guess that's where it's been bumpy for me mm. there was something you said that I saw. I want. I want to come back to how you're getting gigs. But anyway, there was just something. What I want to ask you. When it comes to my mind, that I saw you write in a in a in a response to a group recently, um, asking for people who might be interested in um, doing some three P presentations in organisations. But they're asking, I think, for well, it's called purist, perhaps. And your response was, "Well, I'm not pure." So I kind of wondered what that meant. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, um, Amir Karkutian, the, the, the what the f of the principles group, he, he calls he calls them the the, the three P police, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean I've had a telling off or two, um, and I, but I always just kind of joke about that. It's like, well, hold on a minute, we're talking about words yeah. here. As far, this is how I see it, right? And this is what I always say to people. It's like. What I'm going to talk about here is not prescriptive in any way, right? It just describes a process. And that process is really simple, right? There is that you're alive. There is energy running through you. You have this thing called thought, which you can, you know, tell because it's in your head now. And you are aware of that. Now, I don't give a toss which direction it's coming from. And I don't care where it came from. And I don't even care what it means. The fact is that that's happening right now. And because you can experience it right now just by going you know paying a little bit of attention to it and being aware of it right everything i say after that is just my opinion right all the implications and what that means and what sid said and no one bloody knows what sid said you know they have a clip about it i remember doing uh, i remember having this like real experience of of kind of really connecting with sid on, on one occasion and listening to some of the stuff he was talking about and getting that he was joking he was actually like messing with us and then it went. Oh, I lost it, you know. But in that moment, I, I could see all the stuff that he was playing with, and it was just—it just made perfect sense to me. So, I don't know what he was talking about, you know. But the fact is, is that you just stick to what you actually know is to be true. It's like, well, yes, we're alive. Can tell that's true because, you know, I'm experiencing it, and and I'm I'm having these thoughts, and I'm experiencing those thoughts, and and but what it's pointing towards is is I think useful because i find it when i see it for myself i find it useful for myself but i kind of like to 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 kind of having a treasure map and saying you're rich it's like no the treasure map is a piece of paper represents something it doesn't mean you're rich and seeing what the principles are pointing to doesn't give you anything right but it's pointing to something quite fantastic and and on the times on the occasions i see it it's it's amazing you know i mean when i tell people about the stuff that goes on in my life a lot of the time they they just think god you're a resilient bugger aren't you and and i just think well yeah i guess i am really but sometimes i don't feel it 
you know, sometimes I wake up and feel yeah. bloody miserable. And other times I wake up and think, oh, God, I know what I know, because otherwise I would be under a train track right now. <laughs> but so, you know, I think, well, what the hell is a purist? I mean, you, there, are, there isn't even such a thing. Right. They're just calling themselves that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love what you've just pointed out, the simplicity of just those, those principles, just that, just that. So really anything we put on the top of that, be it the, all the concepts of there being a separate self, um, well, anything, even even love in a way. Um, I can paraphrase John Lennon as saying he said God is a concept by which we measure our pain. Maybe, you know, love is a concept by which we measure our pain. I don't know, but I do see... Um, and Dickon helped me to see this um, in a conversation last year that um, he helped me really to see the extent of all of our ideas and beliefs and how any belief, no matter how noble it looks, can still limit us. And and the great thing is with all of that is that we're making it yeah. all up. And this is it. That's really what it is. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it's almost like it doesn't matter what we create. It's irrelevant. The fact is we're making it up. That's it. That's that's in a nutshell. That's it. We're making it up. Yeah, I mean, the implications of seeing that we're making it up are just immense. So I want to come back. Yeah, I mentioned um, I get that you were getting clients coming from that first book, Do Nothing. Where else and how were you getting, you're doing a tour, how, how, are, you, how are you getting gigs? Um, being on shows, podcast shows, um, doing my own podcast. Uh, I've done 38 of those now. Uh, yeah, it, it just kind of depends, really. Doing talks, you get, get quite a few doing talks. Um, but I always say to people, it's like you never actually know where your next client's going to come from. And so there's almost no point in even thinking about it. <laughs> just don't worry about it. What, what, what's actually bottles if you create if you can create something from a place of authenticity that's actually going to be more useful for you in the long run because it's going to be permanent you know, it's going to be it's going to be always out there so you know when i write articles for instance they'll they'll come once in a blue moon and then they'll come along as buses you know that i'll do like three in a row because they'll just they'll just come out um and i've got parts of books like written all over the place uh, which again you know may or may not ever come to fruition and I used to get all kind of like down on myself for that, thinking, oh, you know, you can't teach people this stuff and then go and be sort of all over the place. And now I just don't care. I just think, yeah, well, you know, it's, you can't break the unbreakable. So, uh, and you are okay. And of course, the only thing, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to you in life. What, however bad you imagine it, it ain't ever going to get that bad. Um, and if it is, you're in mental health problems. And the only reason I actually see people in really bad conditions is because their thinking is so awry that they're not even really aware of it. They're so off the chart that they are homeless and you know, addicted and or in all sorts of you know, chaos. But it's because their mental health has deteriorated so significantly. But when you're alert and clear and you think of a, you know, it's the worst that's going to happen, it ain't going to happen. And you can't. So, it, and but if the worst happens to you, you ain't ever going to think about it. So, what I mean by that is like, you know, there's people that have really horrible things happen in their life, like their kids get killed in car crashes. They never, they never really sat down and thought that was going to happen. They didn't actually imagine that, because if they did, you know, that would be pretty spooky, and no one's ever done that. You know, you would be, you know, create 
I am manifesting death through my thinking. Well, no one's done that. You know, and if you could, that would be really scary. Um, so we don't. We don't. It, either shit's going to happen to you and you won't going to know about it, right? Or whatever you think about it is not going to be that bad. No. So one or the other. And of course, anything we think about is either in the past or the future anyway. So we spend most of our time not even being present. What actually happens when we're present, and even if we're feeling bad, is we get to experience life. We get to experience what it feels like to be alive. And, you know, Sid said, if only the world could learn not to be scared of our own experience, that alone would change the world. And and just knowing that we're making it up is really the key to that, as far as I can see. So it doesn't matter how crap life gets out there. There's only one version of it actually happening anywhere. And it's only ever happening in my head from moment to moment. And and through through kind of pointing in this direction, having an understanding that I'm making it up, I just get to choose whether to be with be with that and be okay with it, or not. And and it's a moment by moment thing because there's nothing else that exists. It doesn't exist in any other form. There there is no past and there is no future. It's only right now. So let me mention the past. So your your first book, Do Nothing. I think you published that uh, 2012, uh, mid early 2012. Yep. And um, was it two years later, your TEDx talk, um, how you can connect to your purpose? And was it November 2014? Um, so that's like over three years ago now. So I'm wondering, <laughs> what do you, if anything, what are you seeing differently to what you were then? Those that first book and and you know giving that text TED talk. That's a really good question. I actually reread Do Nothing a few months ago and, and, and got a completely different experience of it. You know, I actually just went, oh, wow, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is, because you're writing about something that's timeless, yeah. so there, then it changes depending on how you change. Um, and I listen, I re-listened to the TED Talk again as, as well recently. I'm really proud of that. Mm. I was really proud of that TED Talk. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about Sid, but I didn't want to talk specifically about the principles. I actually wanted to kind of share a journey that I'd had. Um, and I even went back to synchronicity again recently and kind of, you know, re reemerged myself in that. And I kind of feel like all the pieces are slowly coming together. And I, I'm, I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening. Uh, I don't care, actually, why it's happening. I just know that the more I just allow myself to be available, for to, to to go with the next step the more that it, it will happen the way it's meant to happen you know I'm, I'm not i don't believe in god i'm not i'm kind of like an atheist but i, I call god gra- grand organized design so it's pretty obvious to me that there's a system that's in place it's pretty obvious to me that we don't control it that's pretty much it um uh, and and some freaky and weird things happen if we just kind of you know tap into it um so i try and do that as much as possible and uh, and kind of allow the next thing to happen and you know there's there's stuff that's happening in the next couple of months i've been speaking to to a journalist today um about uh, you know suicide prevention stuff and she'd never heard of you know the high suicide rate in veterinary practices and was shocked by it and said, oh, well, that sounds really interesting. You know, can we do a story on that? So you just never know. You never know what is going to be the next thing that's going to lead to something getting out there on a wider scale. And and it's almost like if we think we control that, the, you know, the universe is just going to laugh its head off and go, oh, set yourself back. <laughs> 
just yeah. you know don't don't think you're in charge because you never yeah. are you never were never will be it's fascinating as well you mentioned the suicide thing literally just this lunchtime of driving uh somewhere and jeremy vine mentioned something about suicide amongst men it's still it's still the it's the biggest killer amongst men in this country for m- men under 50 which i think is it's astonishing and i th- here's the thing i had this thought well in some respects that's a good thing because that means we're making progress on medical grounds you know if there if there were some if there were if if there were medical reasons predominantly um because i f- i think right suicide the fact of the matter is it's a it's a misunderstanding that has people believe that that's the way out that that's the solution so i i just found that there's you know some hope in that so you know and really want to acknowledge you for the work you're doing you're doing with that so thank you thank you um well you know we've we've made so many advances in yeah. medicine over the last hundred years, you know, we've the the death rates from things like you know cancer, heart disease, yeah. diabetes, etc., has yeah. plummeted, and the death rate from mental health has gone, up, gone yeah. up. So, so uh, and and yet we're still trying to use the same approaches to deal with it. It's just, I mean, that in itself yeah. is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, any any entrepreneurial business owner would look at those figures and like get rid of the management team and just say you're a bunch yeah. of idiots. Like, just stop doing. <laughs> I'm going to get to right, and then what, what really frustrates me is that you know the new team come along and say, look, we've got this one simple truth that could really help because do you know what? It's helped me. I'm I'm a user, <laughs> uh, like we all are, um, but you know I've kind of seen it from both sides. I've 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 been you know a user and I've I've also helped people uh, you know overcome this, and um, by just pointing them towards something that's happening for them right now that's all it's no you know i'm not going in there with a bunch of techniques or anything i'm just kind of pointing them towards how the system operates and and this is happening you'd think they'd be like well yeah well that sounds interesting you know let's give that a go no no that's that's way too simple let's just stick with the complicated stuff that doesn't work come on let's just keep pumping money into the really complicated stuff and they're not interested you know they're just not interested um and it, and it drives me nuts and it's like really yeah, because you know, guess what? I've I've trained for six years in this, therefore I must be right. It's cognitive bias. It's like they're just going to protect their position because they've wasted a lot mm. of time with looking in the wrong direction, and it just annoys me. Um, well, to the point where I do get annoyed where I don't. Um, but you know, that that's it. It's uh, I just keep pointing in this direction, and you know, this whole suicide and veterinary practice thing came up, pops out of the blue, and is now growing into this thing. You know, where we've got a number of associates who are ready to deliver and um and it's going to be huge and it probably will be a story that breaks and it probably will be a story that ends up on the bbc Mm. couch and it probably will get to people that would never otherwise even be contemplating talking about mental health um and if it does it does and if it doesn't it doesn't but i have a feeling it's going to yeah me too me too so just coming back to you and your own journey through building a coaching business and um maintaining the coaching business so what what for you has been the biggest challenge it's um it's my own mental health issues for me um you know i'm i'm not i'm not 
I work, I've, you know, I've, I've written a book called The Entrepreneur Successful. And basically that was like the learnings that I took from entrepreneurs that succeed. But I'm really crap at applying that, which is why I mean, I actually need a coach like me. <laughs> I really do need a coach like me. He's just going to go, don't be a prat. Just do that. Get on with it. You know, and, and I don't know, maybe it's because the coaches I have, you know, they look at me and they go, oh, I can't tell them what to do. You know, it's like the um, the black box thinking and the, the pilots that were crashing all the planes because their, their vice captains were saying, yeah, well, he's the captain, yeah. he knows what he's yeah. doing. Uh, it's actually, you know, coaches need good coaches that are going to like hold them to task and hold them to account. And, you know, I'm really not good with, with figures, right, to the point where I look at a spreadsheet and I go, can't be asked. Really not, really not fussed. You know, um, I'd rather create money than, than think about you know, how to manage it. <clears throat> and it's got me into trouble. You know, it's got me into a lot of trouble. Um, and, you know, I end up getting, you know, into trouble because I'm not managing it. That's it. It's like I always say to people, yeah, the, the best bit of advice for any business is to know your numbers. I always say know your numbers. But I say, but I then don't do it. <laughs> Know your numbers, 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 know, you know, how much profit margin is there, you know, know the difference between gross and net, you know, how much marketing spend do you have, how much is your customer lifecycle value, how much money do you spend in the business and have you valued your time and all the stuff that I don't do. I will, I'm really good at giving advice that I don't take. Um, but, you know, when <laughs> when it comes to creation stuff, it's like I'm really good at that. It's like, you know, if you, if you give me a problem, I'll, I'll create loads of solutions for it. Fascinated by this bit, Damien, just like here you are, sitting here and and appreciate you being so open saying right i'm crap at this and yet i help other people with that we see it time and time again people suggesting that um you know you need to pick somebody that has the kind of life that you want to aspire to which i don't subscribe to that view at all in fact one of the most powerful conversations i had ever had was with a homeless guy actually and i have no aspiration to to have a life like his but um certainly learned from that conversation so i just wanted to really highlight that that here you are saying okay i do help people in this particular area despite the fact that i'm not so great at it myself yeah well the biggest lessons you've ever learned in your life are usually the hardest ones yeah. to learn yeah so you know i know a number of entrepreneurs who've been yeah. bankrupt um, and they've said it's the best thing that ever happened to them because they they learned the lesson from it. so it's not about not doing it it's about you know what have you learned from that um i don't know maybe it would be a good thing if i did go bankrupt because at least then i might <laughs> learn the lesson but do you know what always just create enough to keep going it always yeah. happens yeah <laughs> but also you you um you point to something else there is is what i think is important of when people do hire a coach is ensuring that they get what they want from that coach that they're clear or at least make that as part make that part of the journey uh, to always be clear what you want and i know that you know with my clients i do check occasionally there's there's no like fixed schedule but i do check that you're getting what you want um, and just keep checking on that so from a coach's perspective i'm doing that but um, it's interesting because yes, I've worked with coaches and I've thought, hmm, eh, mm. but then I can see that I perhaps haven't necessarily taken, you know, my responsibility. It's a 200, 200% responsibility, isn't it? A hundred percent from the coach, hundred percent from the client perhaps. And, uh, I can see, you know, under those circumstances, I haven't always, always held my end of the stick. 
which is why it's good it's a really good thing to actually find out what you're good at you know if you're um you know i'm 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 really good with spotting creative opportunities and being really honest with people that's a really helpful thing for a lot of people it's not helpful for some people but it's it's like for entrepreneurs it's really helpful because they're often you know they can't see the wood for the trees and they're in a creative environment anyway and they need that kind of extra spark you know that's something that's going to like get them out of where whatever situation they're in and i'm really good at coming up with that and i'm also really good at delivering that in a really kind of like no nonsense you know time to me is like i i'd rather have 20 minute calls with people and just deliver like shed loads of value in 20 minutes than have an hour long oh for god's sake we've still got two minutes to go jesus can we just get on with it you know i really don't like wasting time um and i've actually done that quite a lot i've done like just a 20 minute call and you know i've had like people on the end of the phone going oh my god that i got i had so much in 20 minutes what would i get in an hour so oh, you don't get an hour <laughs> so i get too bored <laughs> so it's finding what what works for you um and really kind of going with that now if you're a really good listener for instance and what i mean by that is obviously you have that kind of connection bit um what that's great you know there's some people that have that have really good listening skills i'm not talking about listening i'm talking about proper listening skills but what do you do with it you know are you that sort of person that and this is where you know the principles for instance is really really useful as we talked about this yesterday on a webinar i did yesterday about um if you're working in mental health and you just show up with deep listening and you're just listening with your whole body and you're you're in a loving state people respond to that massively and these are people with like all sorts of chemical imbalances and you know schizophrenia and stuff it's really really good so it's it's about finding what works for you and your client and really kind of like fitting into that um that that mold and, and just kind of going with it and yeah i guess you can you know you can change but what i found is that you know when i started i was i was like i am now and i'm now now so um trying to be someone else and listening you know reading a book or listening to someone and saying oh i'll try that approach not going to work it's just not going to work and so again you know if i'm helping clients it'll be like well we'll work around that model you know if if you're the type of coach that is only going to do one-to-one work and can only have five clients at a time well we'll use that as your model um and just work around that you know and and then i'll I'll get them to do the figures to work back it's like well you know how much do you need and how much are you worth and all this sort of stuff and i'll get i'll get them to do the stuff that i don't do so is there, is there anything in particular that jumps out that you have learned about yourself that has changed how you approach um, your business? Um, I would say the listening thing is, is I've acquired that. Uh, oh, and the other one, actually, you know, you pointed to it as you were saying it. It's the checking in. I found that I was never really good at checking in. I was just kind of expecting people to to kind of come along with me on the ride. Um, and actually having that checking in process was something that I learned as well, especially if you're doing workshops. If you're doing workshops, it's very easy to get a room full of people like nodding and just <laughs> thinking they're getting whatever you're saying. And part of the checking in process for me now is like, well, do you know what? I'll get them to do the work. Because actually, that's a really simple way of checking in. And of course, it, I'm actually lazy, so it helps me a lot. It's like, I'll give them a little bit, and I'll just get them to do the work. And of course, then it's experiential. So that was a really big learn for me, because I just thought I had to deliver all of it. Um, and you don't. You really don't. Um, and actually, it's the same with clients. You know, There's not a lot you have to... And the great thing about coaching is that when you when you get it right, when you are good at what you do, and you, you're confident in what you do, it's actually a really satisfying profession, because you don't actually do much work. 
you're really just sitting there as a kind of a sounding board and, and kind of listening and just seeing what occurs to you. And as long as you're confident enough to deliver that back and kind of and encourage it, it's about encouraging. It's about believing in someone beyond their own beliefs. Mm. Yeah, because I've had to have some difficult conversations with clients where I've just said, look, your idea is shit. I mean, it's like worse than shit. And if you don't drop it now, I, I'm, you know, I'll come over there and I'll make you drop it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a difficult one conversation in particular was a very difficult conversation, but it was like, it was so obvious it was just not going to work. Um, so you got to do what what you are, yeah, what you're good at. I call it superpower. You got to find your superpower and kind of stick with that. I want to ask you a variation of a a question. Um, yeah, I normally ask I normally ask my guests if you had a bunch of coaches in the room who was in the first year or two, um, and you had a message for them. What would you ask them? And by all means, answer that too. But what what occurs to me to ask you is, for anybody even considering um, becoming a coach and looking at what they see on social media and on LinkedIn and Quora and all the other places that um present an image of the profession mm -hmm. um what would you like to share with them from the inside from being in the profession what would you like to share with them so i mean i'm, I'm going to assume there's there's going to be some younger people and there's going to be some older people so I would say that you'd probably get a, a, a bit of a split between the ones who want to, um, who maybe haven't had the life experience mm -hmm. and, and then some who've probably thought, well, do you not want to give back? So you kind of get that 50-50 split. Well, probably not 50-50, yeah. but so it's mostly this kind of... Um, so the first bit of advice I would give is have whatever you do really easy to share right so we've talked about you know your superpower and what you do and you know, your how you present yourself and what you you know how you coach but have have what you do really easy to share so um someone if they recommend you how would they talk about you yeah you know, so what are you known for well, and which is where I've gone wrong because I do so much, so many different things. You know, I've had, I've been, I've been kind of overhearing a conversation where three people in a room have talked, said, "Oh no, but you, you're known for that." It's like, oh, "No, but you do this," and so like, you do that. So it's because I do a lot of different stuff. So that's the first thing. So get kind of clarity on on how people would share what you do, because if you can't describe yeah. it, no one else yeah. is going to be able to. So start with that, you know, start with how would they describe you and then just, you know, make sure it resonates. And the other one is be able, because this is, this is where writing a book really was useful for me, be able to distill your entire like, ethos and values and, you know, system down in, into something that you can deliver as a book. I call it like a percolation exercise. It's like if you had to percolate everything you do and stick it into a book, because there's two things about that. Firstly, it's actually a really good business card. Mm. I mean, I still have copies that I take away with me wherever I go, and I always end up giving them away because you meet people and they're interested, and then you pull out a book and they're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" Um, but the second thing is, one day you're going to be dead, and and that's going to live on. 
And that's going to keep on doing good, even when you're not here. Because ultimately, and this is like really the, the, the most important thing about coaching and about coaches and about you and about humans, is it's not about you. It just isn't. It's actually nothing to do with you. You know, which comes back to the principles. We're here. We're the radio set. We're playing the music. Right. We are just, you know, our physical bodies are the radio set playing the music. And and so it's about tapping into that music, which really feels right to you and playing that music. And and a book's a really good way to do that, because you've got to sit down and write a book about you know what you know and what you want to share with the world when you're gone. That's a really good way to kind of tap into the music. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. So final question for you. What is it within you? Um, you can call it purpose, whatever. <laughs> but what is it within you that has you do this work? So I remember when I was 12 or 13 years old, I was at my dad's house in Anstey and Dorset. And, and I had a very strange weekend where I, I became a non-teenager. I was actually the opposite of why I was a very selfish and surly young boy. Um, and for some bizarre reason, that, that weekend, I decided to give. I was really helpful. I made food and I made drinks and I basically looked after everyone. My, my relatives were down from um, uh, Sutton and Cheen. And I remember having a feeling of incredible kind of connection and love and just kind of like whoa this is great and and just knowing that that and i've just been kind of getting back to that feeling so that that was the very selfish reason ironically um but secondly um I, i do have crazy big you know ideas so um i had this very vivid i was an out of body experience but it was a very vivid kind of like vision of going up to get the Nobel Peace Prize in in my 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 mid fifties at the age of fifty six, which isn't that long actually. It's about eight years away from now. Um, having written a book which basically was you know, translated into fifty odd languages and, and and made a real difference to people's lives and and I I still and that's coming. I mean it's like I think all those bits of books that I'm kind of I, I keep it all in the cloud and I'm, I'm just adding to it at various times and as bits kind of come together i just kind of keep adding to it and um yeah i've just got this massive vision about raising the consciousness of every human being on the planet um and i think it's possible i think when there gets to a point where enough people have that rising consciousness and we cut it to words but you know what i mean it's like have that kind of realization so a really good example of a rising consciousness would be um you know warring you know England and Russia kept going head to head with each other at the moment. Yeah. If we have an invasion, right? If we are if we are invaded by aliens, right? They will stop arguing and they'll get together and start helping each other. Right? That will be a, a global rising consciousness will happen as us being under Earthians instead of. That's an example of how something can happen where where there'll be like a global rising consciousness. So. Um, I'm, I'm kind of yeah, heading in that direction. Got got big uh, ambitions in that respect, but it's all purely because I had this vision, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I kind of I, I looked into like where the Nobel Prize came from, and I mean, I don't know if you know the story behind it, but it's yeah. actually quite fascinating. The um, the Nobel brothers, who um, who were basically warmongers, they used to make dynamite and tanks, and um, one of them died. I was going the wrong way around. It's either Alfred or Victor. 
and um and the other brother saw his own obituary and it said you know warmonger of death passes away and he just went really is that how they see me right i ain't doing that anymore and he put all of his money into peace um, and and then created the Nobel peace prize so yeah that's kind of like my big vision um beautiful and, and i saw that on your facebook actually i think it says future nobel peace prize winner which i thought was fantastic so uh yeah wish you all the best with that <laughs> um damien it's been a, a fascinating conversation i'm so glad that we finally finally connected after uh being around on social media and whatever together for years and in the in the principles community i love all that you share and you know that that humanity as well which is such an important piece which is so often overlooked um so thank you for sharing that with us thanks for your time today Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. Well, I'm so grateful for Damien and how candid he was in this conversation. It's exactly what this podcast is about. And I hope you got a sense of who Damien is and what he's about and what he does. I particularly liked how he encourages us to find a system that works really well for us and to maintain it until it becomes a mainstay and instead of all of that jumping around this is something that often comes up in conversations with my own clients giving the universe an opportunity to deliver what we want and giving our systems a real chance of succeeding and something else that is also often overlooked particularly in the three principles community is connecting and talking with people in their language often phrased as meeting people where they are damien has learned a lot about himself and this profession the hard way and you get a sense of him continuously honing his skills and his talks over and over and over again making what he's doing attractive to businesses i love how he talks with absolute clarity of understanding and clarity of what's true and what's his opinion I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Apologies for the connection issues at the end, such as technology uh, on occasions. Thank you once again for listening, and I wish you much love and joy.